Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and on this show, we're talking about finding your work life balance. Well, hello there, lovely teachers. Can you believe it? This is going to be the last episode of 2023. The next time I'm in your podcast feed, it will be 2024. I can hardly believe it. I had to go back there and look. I'm not very good at historian, archivist, I don't know, of my work. Sometimes I get mixed up between when YouTube started and when the podcast started. Anyway, I checked and I started this podcast in 2018. So in 2024 halfway through, I think it is, we'll be entering the sixth year of this show, which just seems totally bonkers to me. Can't believe it. Anyway, since this is the last episode of the year, and also since we have a great post on the blog today about managing family time with teaching time, I wanted to share a little bit about work-life balance today. So this episode is a rebroadcast from a YouTube live that I did. This was back in 2021 when things looked quite different in the world. But work-life balance was still just as much of an issue, more of an issue than, I don't know, it's a perennial topic, something we need to keep thinking about. And as you'll hear, I prefer to think about it as life balance in general. So it's balancing all the different aspects in our life and making things work for us, our family, our lifestyle, our priorities, the things we love, as well as our businesses. So I hope you enjoy this. The first thing I want to say about work-life balance is that it is yours. So before we get into any discussion here in the chat or I give you any recommendations, I want you to know that it is specific to you. It's all about you and what feels right to you. And I don't want you to let anyone else tell you what the correct balance of things is. If for you that is working 60 hours a week, it's probably not, but if it is, that's fine. That's your answer. If you come to the realization that that really truly does feel balanced for you, that is okay. If it's 10 hours a week, that's okay too. Okay? Okay, okay? Because it really is so personal. It is based on so many different factors, your stage of life, your priorities, 
and your chemistry, your actual makeup as a human. Some people actually suit working more hours. Some people suit sleeping less. In a lot of cases, they're lying to themselves, but some people do actually suit less sleep than others. So it is based on your personality and your definition of balance and of success and all of these things. It's completely personal. You need to know yourself and that takes time for sure and it takes some work and you need to know your goals as a teacher and as a business owner and as a person. The second note that I wanted to make about this term work-life balance is that it's balance. <laughs> it's called balance. Flamingos are our sort of mascot, our unofficial emblem of VMT. And that's because we're all about balance. Flamingos, as you know, stand on one leg so beautifully. Humans don't tend to do that as easily. But we can cultivate that balance and find it for ourselves. The thing about a balance, though, is that it actually is always slightly off balance. That's the truth. It's something that we tweak and adjust and fine-tune again and again and again. And we need to become okay with that. We need to accept that it's always going to oscillate back and forth and change a little bit and the definition of it is going to change. So that's going to require adjusting as well. It will always need to be rebalanced. So I want your goal to be to only need micro adjustments. Don't set your goal to feel perfectly balanced at all times. Just like our goal should not be to be ecstatically happy at all times. If we're sort of ecstatic in this hyper state all the time, it's unsustainable, it's unrealistic, and it probably isn't a particularly good sign. We want our goal in terms of happiness to feel satisfied, right? To feel content, maybe. And for balance, it should be to only need micro adjustments rather than huge adjustments. Huge adjustments are an indicator that we've gone so far off kilter that we had to change an enormous amount to get us back. And that's an indicator that we're not paying attention to all the little signs along the way. But micro adjustments are an indicator that you are paying attention, right? That you are in tune with what you want and what you need and what's happening. And that's a great thing. So try to make your goal micro adjustments and try to have some cues that things are going off kilter. I'll give you some examples of those. For me, it's if I snap at someone. I generally don't snap at people. So if I do, if I'm getting irritated by something that I know is not a big deal, like not angry about something that actually matters, but irritated, that means something's wrong. I'm not looking after something. I'm working too much. I'm not working on things that I'm excited about. I'm sleeping too little, I'm eating the wrong things, I'm not looking after my health in some other way. Something is wrong if I'm snapping at someone. Maybe that's not true for you. Maybe you're snappy in general. That's fine. But you need to find something that means that for you. For some people it's, I'm missing family dinners. Like more than on occasion, I missed several this week. Okay, well that's an indicator. If that's one of your priorities, that's an indicator that things are going off balance because you're missing those family dinners and they're really important to you. Do you see what I mean? Try to come up with one cue. There's not going to be just one. So come up with one now in the chat that would mean that things are off balance for you. What would one defining factor be for you? Would it be family dinner? Would it be 
missing a baseball game of your nephew? Would it be not getting to sleep in on Sunday morning? What is your little sign, your flashing light, maybe your gentle blinking light that says things are not quite right right now? You need to pay attention. What is that for you? Let me know in the comments. Oh, Tannis, I love that. My neck and shoulders begin to feel super tight. So many people carry so much tension there, right, Tannis? That's so true. Jimmy said, feeling rushed and panicked. Yes, that feeling of panic. Now, it was completely normal, I will say, at the start of the pandemic, or maybe if something has changed right now for you, and you're going through a, a feeling of panic, a period of panic, that is fine and normal and that happens sometimes. But if you're feeling that way and nothing particularly is, is causing it, no pandemics are happening, then I think Jimmy is right. That's a great indicator. Teresa, neglecting exercise, that would be one of mine too. If I'm missing exercise and there's no good reason for it, like I haven't injured my ankle or something, that's not a good sign. Joanna, not cooking for myself, yes! Ordering a whole bunch of takeaways or something, if that's not something you normally do, if you love spending time cooking, that can be a great indicator, I love that. All these suggestions are so good, everyone! Yes, Christy, that's almost what I'm talking about first with the irritated at minor things. Grumpy that I have to teach when normally it's a joy, right? It should be a joy. Not all the time, not every second of every minute, but you shouldn't be going into a teaching day going, oh, right? That shouldn't be how we feel about our profession at all. And it will come through in our teaching, in the quality of what we're doing. Okay, so many of us are self-employed, we work at home, we work for several different studios. We're not in traditional careers. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Most of us. We're not working at a big school where our job looks like a school teacher's job would look or an office worker's job would look. It doesn't look like that. We're working maybe three to seven in the evening or we're working early in the morning, then we've a giant break and then we're working in the evening again. We have odd schedules and a lot of us own our own businesses micro-businesses with just us as an employee. And we have a lot of different things in our lives. A lot of people have that, but it's less defined for us. Most of us, a lot of us, are teaching at home. And when we're in that position, this is true, I think, for everyone, but I think it's more true for us, and it's something I've been very frustrated by, is I don't think we should be calling it work-life balance. And I think I might ruffle a few feathers here, because I think... Many teachers want it to be, okay, I put my work in this box and then I put my life over here. And if that works for you, great. I'm not trying to tell you to do it a different way. But I don't see my life as a work-life balance. I see no division there. And I know people want to put that back in for me and draw that line. But I actually prefer the idea of life balance because there are things in my work that honestly don't feel like work at all. They are my favorite thing to do. And not in an obsessive compulsive I must work all the time way. In a I genuinely love doing this and this is how I'd prefer to spend my time. Not everything in my work but a lot of it. And there are things in life, we all have things in our life, that we don't particularly want to do. We don't want to sit down and fill in a giant form of bureaucracy nonsense. We don't want to, I don't know, drive to the shops. I don't mind shopping. But if you hate it, that's kind of work that's in the life category. And with our work the way it is, 
with the bleed through that we have between all these different areas of life, I prefer to just think of it as life balance. Let me know if you agree with this or if you think I'm bonkers, but it makes sense to me to just think of it as a life balance. And yeah, that includes some things that are work and some things that are play and some things that are dull, but I don't make any money from them, <laughs> right? We all have all these different aspects to balance. So how I prefer to think about it is life balance and those indicators are indicating that my life is off balance because as we said, if I'm if I'm getting irritable, right? Let's take that one as an example. If I'm feeling that way, sometimes it might be that I'm working too much or that I'm letting um, a parent get in my head too much and nagging at me about something or other in business. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's that I didn't exercise and that's the culprit. Sometimes it's that I didn't cook my own food. I had takeaway and it was just really bad for me and it's making me grumpy the next day. We can't call that work-life balance. I don't need to look at my irritability and say my work-life balance is off, my work is going up and my life is going down. No, it's all my life. Especially as people who have such a vocational profession in a lot of cases. I don't always like that word because it kind of, maybe maybe it implies too much that we shouldn't be making money and we absolutely should. None of us do this just to make money, do we? If we did, we'd made a really poor choice and we weren't very well informed when we went into teaching if we thought we were going to be rich. So we have other reasons for doing this as well as money. And there's so much to balance within our life. Let's just see the whole picture. That's what I think anyway. Charlotte agrees with me. Thank you, Charlotte. Great to hear that, Teresa, too. Yeah, Cindy, there's two, two different aspects there, too, right? But there's also things in your regular life that you don't love and love, right? Okay, so that's how I see it anyway. Hit the like button if you agree with me or if you just find this video valuable. It helps spread the word to other teachers so that they can find this and YouTube suggests it to them as something that might be useful and they can join our little community bubble over here on YouTube and join in with the chats here, which makes it all valuable, more valuable for all of us. Last area I wanna look at in terms of our life balance, as we're gonna call it. I'm gonna leave the title of this video as work-life balance because yeah, that's what people call it. <laughs> so they'll know what I mean. But we're going to call it life balance from now on. So to keep our life balance, part of that is controlling our work that we have to do. And a big part of how I control that, how I stay balanced, apart from those cues that things are off, going off balance, is rules. Simple, clear-cut rules are honestly the biggest game changer. If you don't have them for yourself in how you run your business or your life, I think this is something you should consider. If you constantly find yourself being thrown off. So what I mean by rules are things like, I only answer the phone between X and X. I don't have that particular rule because people don't call me. And also I don't really answer the phone. I leave my phone on silent basically all of the time and just call people back but I don't have anything that would particularly be an emergency like I don't have little kids or anything so I'm able to do that. However if you do have certain hours that you want to accept office calls I think that's absolutely a great idea to put a rule in place but call it a rule okay and make it specific and clear-cut. Another thing you might want to put a rule on I think a lot of us could benefit from this is a planning time limit. So I plan my lessons between 10 a.m. and 12 on Mondays. And 
if you set that limit on it, you honestly will get it done in that time. But there's that rule, right? Oh, what's it called? We're talking about rules and now I'm confusing you talking about rules, but like a law, like Parkinson's laws, but it's not that one. Anyway, it's that the work will expand to fill whatever time is available. Someone can look that up, the name of it, or if they know it off the top of their head and let me know what it's called. But it's like one of those laws that are out there, like the Peterson principle, you know, how people will get promoted to their level of incompetence. So work does ex expand to fill the time available in a lot of cases. And so just setting that planning time limit, like I only plan for two hours a week, it will be extremely beneficial. And notice the way I'm phrasing that. I only plan for X hours per week. Not I try to fit my planning into 10 a.m. to... No, you have to use specific language that is clear and definitive. One rule that I have for myself that's come in extremely useful, that's not Murphy's Law, Sheila, that's not what I'm looking for, it's come in extremely useful, is my teaching breaks. Because if I didn't have those, Charlotte, thank you, I was thinking Parkinson's Law, but then I thought I was wrong. Is that the right one? Anyway, if I didn't have my teaching break rule, I honestly, I would put myself in so many bad situations <laughs> in terms of my schedule. Because we look at that Excel spreadsheet or however you do yours, all your post-its, and when we're moving them around, it looks pretty much fine to move people. Like you have a break in there and you're like, oh, I'll just throw one. It only fits if I put this other student on top of that student and then move the breakdown later. I'll just do that, it'll be fine. And an Excel spreadsheet looks fine. It's like, yeah, that looks doable. But then you get to do it and by that, however many student, you are miserable and you are irritable and you do snap at them and it's not fair to them. That's the truth. And the reason you're miserable is you haven't had a break, you haven't gone to the bathroom, you haven't drunk enough water, you haven't had your coffee, whatever it is you need to do in that break, it hasn't happened. And so you're going to be crappy with them or you're not going to have the energy you normally have or you're not going to notice the things you normally notice. We all get tired. We all get decaffeinated if we're caffeine addicts like me. So we need to have those breaks. And one of the best things I have done is to put in that rule. So my rule won't be the same for you, but my rule is that I teach for a maximum of two and a half hours or four students, whichever comes first. So if I have four 30-minute students, I never teach 30-minute students, but if I did, would be two hours, that's it. There has to be a right there. That is the absolute maximum. Normally my breaks come more frequently than that. But when I'm in a scheduling sticky wicket, when I'm trying to figure things out and fit people together, as I have been the last two weeks, it's finally together. Don't let anyone change their minds. That rule is very useful. And it's come up a few times when I've been putting together this year's schedule, honestly, where I've been like, oh, I'll just put them there. And then I actually count it. I'm like, oh no, that breaks the rule. And I know that's going to be make, make me miserable during that time. It looks fine on the Excel spreadsheet, but it won't be fine in reality. Charlotte, my breaks are at least 15 minutes, although often they're longer if, if they can be, but at least 15 minutes. Now, I, work, I do everything sort of quickly, <laughs> as you may have noticed. We've been hanging around for a while. So 15 minutes is enough time for me to go to the bathroom, have a few minutes to read, have a cup of coffee, maybe have a snack. That's that's enough for me. 
it might not be for you and that it's absolutely fine. Some people need longer to decompress, but 15 minutes is, is enough for me in a pinch. I prefer half an hour when I can put it in there. And if I do have a longer day, like I on Saturdays, I work a long day, right? Because I start this year, it's going to be before 10, quarter to 10, and then I go all the way through to 6 p.m. So that's a long day for me. And I'll have several breaks in there, but I'll also have one big long break. So the 15 minutes is more like in the middle of a teaching afternoon. That is sufficient, just about. Okay, but the point of that was to illustrate a rule. If I didn't have that rule, I could just do things willy nilly and it might work out fine and it might not. So set those rules for yourself. Whatever the things are that throw you off balance, that are important to you, that you want to prioritize, set clear rules for yourself. And then here's the magic secret, the magic ingredient. You ready? You have to stick to them as if they were a rule, as if they were a law, right? As if it was the same as you breaking a red light. You do not break your rules. They're rules. That's why they have to be simple and clear and you can't have too many of them. Now, as we've been going through this series, which by the way is based on the teacher tracker, for members that haven't checked that out, you might like to check it out. The teacher tracker is a great way to keep track of everything in your business and your teaching and keep the balance. It's what this is all about. It's all about being flamingos, right? So this is a system that we've put in place where you take a quiz about all these different areas. There are nine of them. Oral, business, planning, reading, creativity, fun, rhythm, technique, and work-life balance. Because we need to consider business and all the different aspects of pedagogy and teaching together and balance these different aspects. So those are the nine we've come up with. You take that quiz, you get your results based on how confident you are with them. And that allows you to focus on one area at a time and feel balanced about how you're progressing through your professional development. So today we've been talking about work-life balance. Next week we're actually going to be talking about planning, which is something we just mentioned a minute ago in, in that rule section. So we're going to be talking about planning next week. I think it's going to be perfect as many of us head toward the new school year. It's a great opportunity to try a new planning system. All throughout this series, whether we're talking about rhythm or oral or whatever, I've been sharing a few common mistakes. And so even though this is a bit of a different topic, I'm going to share two common mistakes with you to finish up on this life balance segment. The first one, first biggest mistake, is taking outside measures of progress. Or I should say externally defined measures of progress. I think it's fine to have external measures of progress that are specific and measurable and it gives you a footing on where you are. So your student's exam results or your profit or whatever it is based on the area we're looking at. That's fine. What I don't want you to do is to take someone else's advice that you make at least X per year and just take that as gospel. Or take my teaching break and say, well, Nicola says it has to be every two hours and I'm failing because I can't have a break every two hours because my schedule doesn't allow it. Or I'm failing because I need a break every 90 minutes uh, or I feel miserable. No. Remember, this is about knowing yourself. It doesn't matter if you need a break every student. If you need five minutes between each set of students, each student, that's fine. That's you. Own it. That's who you are, and that's absolutely, totally fine. Just don't take what someone else says and embody it without 
analyzing whether it's right for you and fits you as a person. The other big mistake that I see, and this is why I wanted to talk about my whole life balance thing, is that I see teachers trying to segment stuff too much and then feeling like they failed every time. Because stuff doesn't fit into neat little boxes in our lives, sorry. Sometimes your kid or your dog is going to need you when you're supposed to be working in the office. Sometimes you are going to have to work that little bit later because it's recital season and you didn't anticipate something and that just happens. So don't force everything into little boxes and then so tightly that you feel like you failed because they explode. Because of course they exploded. They were too full. I prefer to see it flowing and have those cues of getting off balance so that you can feel feel what it feels like to be in balance, to be attuned with yourself, to know where you're at, and also have those warning signs so that you adjust things when you need to. See it as that standing on one leg flamingo pose where actually if the wind blows this way or that way, they're adjusting their foot every so slightly to compensate for that. I don't know if that's true, but that's what you'd have to do as a human. So we're going to go with that. All right. I hope you picked up a few tips there and that maybe you'll have some time over the holiday season to digest those ideas and maybe come back in 2024 with some resolutions about going a bit easier on yourself, <laughs> if I dare say it. That's what I hope for you anyway. I want to take this opportunity here on the podcast feed to wish you all the best for the holiday season and a very happy, early happy new year, since I won't see you until 2024. Of course, I'll still be around in the meantime on Instagram, a little bit on YouTube still to go. But if you don't hang out those places, then the very happiest new year to you. And I'll see you back here in 2024. One of the awesome benefits for Vibrant Music Teaching members is that they get an exclusive member magazine every month. This magazine brings together our blog articles in a way that is digestible and super actionable. If you want to become a member and get the magazine as well as all the other benefits, you can go to vmt.ninja to sign up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.